Maji. Yes, it was Maji. We checked. There was a spelling and we didn't know and we spent about 10 minutes looking at I don't get it. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to I Don't Get It, a podcast about performances in Edmonton. Um, I'm Paul. Fonda is still finishing up with LitFest, uh, but we have a special guest uh, filling that seat. Uh, who are you, special guest? <laughs> I'm Susie. Um, I'm a freelance director, I guess, in town and uh, currently working a day job at the Fringe as well. So artist liaison kind of stuff there. Cool. Great. You also, uh, you directed a Fringe show some people might have seen. Oh, yeah. Tragedy. A tragedy. Yeah. And another one that a few other people might have seen called Fetch. Great. Cool. So um, we saw a show uh, called Lennons and Bombers uh, at Studio Theater, mm -hmm. uh, which just finished its run, uh, played by Vern Thiessen. But before uh, we get into that, uh, you were just coming here directly um, to, to the podcast studio from uh, from a from a thing called the World Cafe. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what that was? Yeah, sure. Um, so this is the first ever, I think, that the Citadel is hosting. So the Citadel Theater is hosting this thing called the World Cafe, which apparently I didn't fully follow this, so I have to do some more research. But um, mm -hmm. it's a model for conversation that was born in like 1995 in California or something somewhere. Cool. But I don't know quite the parameters of sure, that. Yeah. That was just what was shared. Mm -hmm. um, but in any case, uh, the, the idea being that it's a, a way to have a difficult conversation with the values of respect and listening being held really highly. Um, so there was a panel of nine different artists, art professionals from a variety of backgrounds and demographics. And uh, the topic today was appropriation or appreciation. And pertinent. Uh, yes. Pertinent for today. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so it was, uh, just a conversation. We met all of the panelists and then, um, basically open mic, uh, questions from the audience and then people could respond. And it was, it was pretty free flowing in terms of who decided to speak and, um, the panelists would sort of jump, jump in on to tail end each other's things. But it was a, it was a really cool conversation. I think it was, it was, um, heartening to see a, a variety of, people in the room in terms of where they're at with this conversation. Mm -hmm, yeah. um, I realized that I spend so much of my time with such a very specific echelon of, of people. Mm -hmm. um, and the conversations are become very circular and, and self-affirming or whatever within, right, within yeah, that. Yeah. And so it's nice to see the other parts of that conversation and where people are at, at a different place but still want to come and talk about it and, and ask questions and be scared and... Um, mm -hmm and try to figure it out. So. Sure. So I guess having now been through one of these, mm -hmm. um, how do you find as this as a form for getting to, into some of those like uh, stickier issues that people sometimes aren't sure how to talk about per se? Yeah, it's it's interesting because I was, I was saying to you when I got here that I think um, nothing, for me, nothing was revelatory in terms of major concepts, but mm -hmm. just, just for myself, I felt the value of hearing things again and hearing mm -hmm. them in a slightly different way and reminding myself just to sit and listen mm -hmm. um and be, so being in that position especially because as a director as an educator as a as a leader in in whatever project I'm working on um it's I spend a lot of my time talking I spend a lot of my time holding the floor and teaching other people and uh so to remember that I am learning about this and I'm not 
totally new, but mm-hmm. but that the, but to just hear more of those voices. Um, I think the problems, of course, fall down. A conversation that's a public conversation where there's lots of people and everybody wants mm-hmm. to speak and there's only so much time, right? Like we went over time by 20 minutes and we could have kept going. Sure, yeah. Which is yeah, great. Yeah. Um, it's, it's exciting, but... Uh, it was nice because somebody in the room reminded everybody that this isn't actually the best way to have this conversation. But okay, it's yeah. it's a good start, mm-hmm. and and it's important that we do that. But but there is more to the conversation than just hearing a panel and going home and feeling good about it. Right, <laughs> so, right, right. It's on yeah. it's ongoing. You take yeah. those discussions that you heard and felt, and you carry them forward in your life, and continue checking in with those topics and yeah. ideas and conversations. Mm-hmm. Cool, great. Okay. Um, uh, do you know how? regularly they're looking to do those you don't have i'm putting you on the spot no that's okay they mm-hmm. they did say at the end that they thought that the next one would be in the new year so i'm guessing not that regularly sure. but they do have something else in mind i guess for the future so maybe maybe three times a year i don't know cool um, yeah but something to watch out for mm-hmm. in the future now it's time for an ad every entrepreneur has a story to tell lessons learned and wisdom earned they're the type of people you'd love to sit down with and have a coffee And that's exactly what the Maji Center, led by Max Frank, is doing on APN's latest affiliate podcast, Let's Do Coffee. This bi-weekly show features interviews with student entrepreneurs and alumni of the Northern Alberta Institute of Technology. You can grab an audio coffee with these bright young minds by visiting letsdocoffee.libsyn.com. So Lennons and Bombers, uh, this is a show by Vern Thiessen. Mm -hmm. in this case, also starring Vern Thiessen mm-hmm. as Lennon uh, as part of the studio theater, the BFA graduating classes um, uh, performance year um, for that graduating class. And so how would you describe the the show, maybe in like its broadest tones? How would you tell someone about this show? Um, it is a dark comedy about the two uh, Jewish scientists who embalmed Lennon after he died. Uh, so that he could live in immortally in uh, Red Square, I think is where mm-hmm. he ended up. Yeah, against his wishes. <laughs> against also. his wishes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, then let me let me uh, ask you this: uh, what are, what were some of the the elements of the show that that stood out to you? Uh, if you sort of look back on it, what's what are the strongest sort of memories from that? Um, one of the actually, this is a really funny non sequitur kind of thing, but mm-hmm. one of the strongest actual like moments for me that really landed is a visual moment. Um, at the very end of the play, Lenin is standing. So Lenin dies, but he also r- rises from his death to yeah. to narrate and crack jokes. And mm-hmm. the, the structure of the joke becomes a structural element in the play, I would say, mm-hmm. in terms of the way it's written. Um, and then the joke ultimately being that the punchline is not really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so he see, he is still moving about at the end of the play. And, and there's one moment where he's just about to leave the stage and he's on the apron and the light, the shins are just catching him. So the shins are like the low side light, mm-hmm. um, just catching him and putting a beautiful, perfect shadow on, on the wall of the theater like just beside um and it was a moment that looked like it could have been an accident Mm -hmm. because we don't usually light the actual physical architecture of the theater itself Mm -hmm. rather than the set um and but but it was so striking uh that I just I loved it it was this beautiful moment and then I had the pleasure of speaking with the lighting designer actually just the other day and asked her about it and she said yes no that was absolutely intentional and she was she was glad that I noticed so that was a visual thing that was striking to Mm me um but but to more likely thing that you would observe when Mm -hmm. you first walk in um is uh, the style yeah yeah 
yeah, it's sort of this like uh, absurd, um, yeah, this, as you said, sort of a dark comedy that seems like um, it's treating that that era of sort of Russia um, with both sort of like an absurdist comedy element uh, as a way of sort of processing some of the horrors of what that was. So in sort of the immediate wake of Lenin's death, sort of Stalin seizing power and the way he started to um, put that over people and how he used Lenin and sort of the entombing of Lemon, Lenin, the entombing of Lemon um, and his... Uh, his, uh, yeah, his immortality and the people's love of him as a way of controlling people and sort of uh, starting to enact his own um, violence mm-hmm. and using these scientists as, as, a, as a pawn in that. Uh, but yeah, so sometimes the, the style and the movement was very, very heightened, almost like snappy show busy. Like <laughs> yeah, people, yeah, yeah. everyone had their own snappy little like shooter of vodka that yeah. they always carried with them that could be filled up at a moment's notice. Or, you know, the secret police moved in very sort of stylized, almost like chorus line ways at times. Yeah. And, and yeah. sometimes that seemed funny and sometimes that did not seem funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and intentionally so, mm-hmm. just to yeah, clarify yeah. That, yeah. that there are times where, where that, that joke is is a funny haha look at these silly people and then by the end it, it sort of turns um oh what was i gonna say yeah i was just i would just jump in there while you're while you're thinking of that thing where like you mentioned that there's sort of a structural joke where there's a joke that lenin makes off the top about um you know the horrors of, mm. of basically of of um uh stalin and what he's doing and that sort of becomes the truth at the end that one of the last moments of the play is Oh, now the joke is real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not so much. It's that not funny was a, a bad way of putting it on on my part, but it's like, oh right, it's a joke to process this horror. But when it's actually happening, the funniness, even if we're doing the exact same motions and gestures, suddenly drains out of it. Yeah, and I think um, I, I'm a big fan in in all theater and of when form and content are working together. And I, I actually do think that this is a good example of that, in that. There is something, I have never actually been to Russia, but I have uh, lived with people who have spent months there. And um, mm. and I know that Vern is writing, even though he's writing about Jewish characters, he's writing also out of his cultural history as a Russian Mennonite mm-hmm. descent, right? Um, and, and the Mennonites also had a very similar kind of experience to what Russian Jews had in terms of being persecuted and um, killed in their sleep and all that horrible, mm-hmm. horrible stuff. Um so he's using this sort of sensibility of this this dark humor that I think is actually very Russian, if I can be so mm-hmm. so like um, generalizing, uh, and 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 turning that on its head to sort of like use that to tell the story that that this is a Russian story, and it's interesting because it feels like at first we're seeing an idea of what it is to be Russian, mm-hmm. and then it starts to land. I think for what that why that sense of humor is. Yeah. present right and like yeah. what what where all those jokes come from and um because the peasants in the streets are telling these jokes throughout as well as they're also like fearing for their lives and right right yeah. right it's the thing of like what else do you do but laugh yeah until yeah. they come for you too yeah like yeah you know, how else do you survive yeah. in that climate and that sort of that fear um yeah yeah there's a there was an interesting sort of through line in the script of people either declaring themselves the hero of this play or especially by the end sort of being like I, am I the hero of this play? And sort of leaping, leaving that question open-ended. What did you think of that sort of in the script, in that sense of like, this was, in, in the play is called Lenin's Embalmers. It's sort of tethered to these two characters' mm-hmm. stories. But is there really a hero in this play, per se? Or is it just sort of looking at this 
this world that they were within and they're sort of are, are into it. Yeah, I think it I feel like in the writing, the conceit is that that we're setting mm-hmm. we're setting people up to go, you're going to decide who the hero is. And then jokes on you. There is no hero because we're all in this mess together and nobody can win and nobody can come out with clean hands and all of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not actually sure that I love the conceit. Like I get what what it's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think it. Yeah, I wasn't sure that it fully landed for me with all of the characters. Um, I particularly found it was interesting because I, I worked on next to a production of this. I was working in Min in a production in Winnipeg years ago, so this is not my first encounter with this script. Oh, cool! Yeah. But it's long enough ago that I don't remember all the details. Right. And and I didn't actually remember that Nadia. So all of the women in the play are called Nadia, and there's three of them, and they're all played by the same actor. And at the end, she comes out and also says, you know, I'm all the women in this play and, and was I the hero and here I am left and all of this. Mm-hmm. And I didn't remember that from the other production. Right. And I don't know if that's a change or if, if I just forgot it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure that it worked. Mm, um, yeah. I think I understand the intent, which is to give voice to acknowledge the fact that you've written a play where you've made all of the female characters one literally one person right 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 um and and populated a world with a bunch of very different men and then have literally one person play all of the women uh and have them be sort of thinly drawn types Mm -hmm. um which which again works in the style of the piece and then and then it it felt like an effort to to say it's not just that though and like she can have a voice Mm -hmm. but it, it didn't fully feel like it was a realized idea um so I would love I would love to have seen that seen her various facets develop more. Right. Um, so that was the one place where I particularly felt like that hero question kind of just came out of nowhere and just was like a, a convention that didn't necessarily yeah, land. Yeah, totally. yeah, yeah, and I think I think especially near the end, like some people we sort of figure out what happens to them, and yeah. some are sort of like left to ambiguous history of like right what they were part of this moment, but they sort of they. They maybe survived the worst of the consequences, but now they have to live. Yeah. And, and we don't know what becomes of them, and we don't know how they process this now. They just survived or didn't. Yeah, and I think it felt it felt particularly strange in the case of Nadia, too, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, because, because she's actually a compromised character in the play. Like, she sells out her partner right mm-hmm, yeah um, and so so we have the you know one the grieving widow and the and the jealous wife and the bright young student um acolyte whatever mm-hmm. um and and so so the the one who has actually has the most to do isn't is also not a clean body by the end right, of it right, but, right. but we 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 don't really follow up with her story at all mm-hmm. it's it it feels more like a plot device to get him in jail or whatever it is right right right, right. um and and that's totally cool because this is the story about these dudes mm-hmm. um but it felt a little bit like trying to offer something that wasn't really in born out sure yeah, yeah. like the half yeah. reach yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 um so yeah cool um one thing that i think we both talked about a little bit going into this was uh, a moment in the play a uh, very particular moment where uh, we finally get to the actual embalming of lenin the first half of it is sort of the like can it be done can we per, like preserve this person forever question mark mm-hmm. um and and this is them sort of giving it the try uh, and here it was presented in a way that sort of matched much of the style of it in this sort of absurdist sort of comedy where it was uh, music. It was set to music. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt very like cues, like hit your moment in the beat to catch the thing, to put the thing over here uh, and do that. How did we How did we feel about um, that as sort of the demonstration of that moment, I guess? Because um, we'd also talked about just like that maybe it might be nice to also see like 
if we pull back that style for just a moment yeah. and, and what that would feel like? Yeah, I felt um, I felt like it, there was something very pleasurable about that snappy choreography mm-hmm. and and that rhythm and the and the fun the fun little gags and and bits that are happening and and because as he, as we sort of said, Lennon is himself clearly not dead, you know, in the in the context of yeah. the world of this play, um, and he can get up and look around and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so so building on that, I, I I understand sort of where they went with that and why, mm-hmm. but I I also did feel a little bit like an opportunity was missed for. Um, a chance to sort of evacuate all of that surface away because the, the the setup that all of this political stuff is a game, is a joke, mm-hmm. is is this very bright and very cheap and right. cheerful and two dimensional and no and we're not really letting anything real in um, to to then be in the womb of this um, tomb mm-hmm, and yeah. and and really go through this beautiful long sequence mm-hmm. of silent action that that could feel very um yeah could feel very drawn out and and interior but in did not feel that way in this particular production right and yeah it's uh i think that's to tack on to that just that like so much of leading up to that everyone everyone is bluster and everyone is mm-hmm. like selling their best self to everyone else and yeah. it's like but this is the moment when we are doing the thing and it's like can we do it or not and yeah, yeah. it sort of feels like that might have been interesting to see a shift where it's like, right, is this world different when we finally block out these horrors and this noise and we're just doing the work and, and how that feels? Yeah, and I think from a character development perspective as well, if if I am the scientist who everyone has sought out to come and do this thing mm-hmm. uh, and I've said I can do it, but I'm, I've never actually done it and I'm trying it out, like the stakes of that, just in terms of professional stakes, not to mention also their lives are literally at stake mm-hmm, yeah. um so to have a sense of like that it could not work like that that this is the point where we see like where do we see their vulnerability as mm-hmm. humans right and um and where better than when dealing with a very vulnerable human body mm-hmm. as you're trying to make it come back to life right like i mean not literally come back to mm-hmm, life but, but um so yeah i feel like that that is an opportunity that's in their play and and i i can see where they went why they went where they went, mm-hmm. and but but I also would have been curious to see the other side of that. Yeah, yeah, and we were also talking about earlier, sort of the payoff of that huge stylistic choice was just that then when everything sort of turns and you know their arcs go from the peak to the sort of start to decline, um, all of those movements that were so comic and oversized now just feel more horrifying. Mm-hmm. They're the same things, but suddenly they aren't funny to the audience because we know this is like oh shit, like. Mm-hmm. This is this is it for these characters, or you know, there's no longer that like fun for them. They're they're on the outside of it now, and so it's gonna go very badly for them. Yeah, and I actually thought that that shift was handled quite well because mm-hmm. I think I think that's a, a big challenge that we've sort of taken for granted in this play is is that challenge of riding the knife's edge between the comedy and the the truly terrifying reality of what's actually mm-hmm. going on. Um, and one of the things I found, I'm, I'm not sure if it was because we saw the show on the day after the day off, right, the, right. the <laughs> always questionable Monday show, mm-hmm. um, that I felt like the rhythms were a little bit off at times. And mm. and it's, it matters a lot in a show like this, not just because there's things that are literally choreographed to music. Right, right, right. Um, but, but because if it's a joke, it's we all know that timing is everything, right? right. So, mm-hmm. um, so that I felt like there were a few moments where things wanted to be zippy and they felt a little bit more languid than like not quite zippy enough. Right, right, right. And then more frustrating mm-hmm. were the moments where something would finally 
there'd be a, an aha moment mm-hmm. um, or the punchline or whatever. And uh, and it didn't. It felt like we'd actually earned a breath there, and mm-hmm. we'd earned a chance for it to land. And but we zipped off to something else right away. Right, right, right. Um, and and so it was. I was pleasantly surprised by how effective that transition into the seriousness was given that the rhythm was feeling mm-hmm. a little bit out of tune at points mm-hmm. um, because those moments land so beautifully when we're trucking along and running along and then all of a sudden b- the bottom falls out and there's air like we mm-hmm. want to we want to ring in that silence for a second when the facade comes away right 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 and like all of a sudden everyone's looking at the dictator and wondering if they're going to be killed right then and there right 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 and then we pick it back up again right and so so yeah I just found like I wanted there a little bit of tuning on those moments, but it might have just been the night. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Live theater. Yeah. Yeah, I thought uh, Doug Mertz as Stalin was a very interesting example of that, where it's like this character who is so blustery and presented in that way, where yeah. like he is uh, an assistant and the assistant is usually like one word ahead and Stalin is just sort of saying those words. But mm-hmm. then sometimes, uh, you know, when it matters or when something changes, like it's like, right, he's Stalin. Yeah. 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 He can yeah. have you killed right now. Right yeah. in this moment. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of the design? Uh, what stood out about the design? Um, the design itself stood out quite literally uh-huh. from from the from the stage. We commented when we came in. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't honestly. I wasn't totally sold on the design. Sure. Um, I find I find that this happens a lot. I'm very picky about design, mm-hmm. so I will say that as a disclaimer. Um, I, I really want the design to feel really integral to the dramaturgy of the play and including like the unfolding action of the play, sure. uh, which does not mean that the set has to like change, mm-hmm. um, but just that like how does this space essential to this story? Mm-hmm. And I just didn't quite connect the dots on that. Like mm-hmm. I saw lots of red, which made sense. We're in communist Russia, mm-hmm. you know, very industrial kind of looking and there, you know, all the, right. the props all made sense. Um, but somehow the, the whole fortress askew, it just didn't quite add up to me like Mm -hmm. um and but again i think i I, there were a lot of like nods in the direction of it's the world but it's off kilter and like proportions are wonky and it's a little bit heightened and Mm -hmm. it's all like so all of that stuff was there but it just didn't quite coalesce to me sure yeah um i want to know what you thought about it actually yeah uh yeah it's like it was a big old thing yeah um and one thing i sort of love about studio theater shows is like it's sort of like uh what would it be like if theater had a budget every time for Mm -hmm. a set design because it was, you know, a two-story thing, um, and such a such a big used sort of all over it. R- parts of it were wheeled in or out, depending, um, for with props on them. Uh, and yeah, sometimes I think it was effective. Obviously, there's like some some obvious things. Right, like Stalin hangs out at the top. Mm-hmm. Yep, check, mm-hmm. get it. I, mm-hmm. I follow that as a as a thematic choice and and why that is. Um, and sometimes it felt like looming on those characters and oppressive on those characters which makes sense for for that world as well um as this sort of like this sort of like ugly beautiful horrifying strong um rigid thing um that's nevertheless off kilter and sort of in that way it sort of seemed to match the world as you sort of pointed out uh, a minute ago but yeah yeah other times it was kind of like uh action felt sequestered in certain parts uh, which, when you have a two-story set, that's just kind of the name of the game, maybe. But yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, there were a lot of corners, and I guess again, like I think maybe it's just sort of my taste versus like if I, if I went to court for this set mm-hmm. and, and like was trying to be on the side of the defense, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, theater court. Yeah. 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 As we as we sit here in theater court. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I could I could tease out that 
all these little dark corners that felt awkward and strange are kind of part of that world of the little backroom dealings and and never knowing who's going to come around the corner at you. Mm-hmm. And like, so so it's not, it, I, I in no way want to throw the whole set like under the bus or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's more just a taste thing. And uh, cool. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about about the show? Those are sort of the big, the big points for me. Yeah. I think that was, those were sort of the big greatest hits. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, overall, I, I was, it was enjoyable. And, and, uh, and like I said, I was, I was taken on the journey through the joke turning dark and mm-hmm. going bad and, and all of that. So, so I thought it was well handled in that way. And, and, and I do also feel like I should like reiterate how actually very tricky <laughs> that is to handle, like mm-hmm. that script, the, the, the turns of the style. Um, and so, so I think that there was lots of good stuff being done by all parties involved in mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah. Sounds like time for another ad. <laughs> This week, we'd like to give a shout-out to the Undad podcast, which was voted Edmonton's best podcast in View Weekly's annual Best of Edmonton survey. Every week, Trent Wilkie sits down with a new guest to chat about how their families have shaped their lives. From tough topics like postpartum depression and coping with the death of a child, to irreverent tirades about crispy socks and the joys of waking up with your children's toes in your nose, the Undad has it all. Like us, the Undad is a proud member of the APN, powered by ATB. Check it out at theundad.com. Great. Thanks, Susie. I uh, just got to read some listings real quick. Great. And that's that's that. Um, cool. So coming up, uh, La Traviata at the Edmonton Opera is still playing on October 23rd and October 26th at the Jubilee Auditorium. Uh, Blood, a scientific romance, plays until October 27th at the Backstage Theater. The Bone House by Marty Chan. Uh, is playing October 25th to 31, 31. Um, is playing October 25th to the 31st at the Varscona Hotel. Uh, the Comedy Company by Neil Gran, uh, presented by Shadow Theatre, is at October 25th until November 11th at the Varscona Theatre, not the hotel. Uh, Origin of the Species plays until October 27th at the ATV Arts Barns. And Dead Center of Town plays at Fort Edmonton Park until October 31st. Cool. Well... Thanks for joining us, Susie. My pleasure. Thanks for talking about stuff. Yeah. Everyone else, go see some art. Bye. I Don't Get It is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or check us out on albertapodcastnetwork.com or the CKUA radio app. I Don't Get It is recorded on Treaty 6 territory in Edmonton, Alberta, in the Edmonton Community Foundation's podcast studio. Our theme music is Mountain Time by Ghibli, and you can find more of Ghibli's music by going to ghibli.bandcamp.com. I Don't Get It is produced by Andrew Paul, Fonda Mithrush, and Paul Blinov. Sit here,